you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL podcast wants to see you and bring your playbook. Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined by a room filled with some heroes, Mark Sessler and Greg Rosenthal. What up, boys? Well, we've lost... Wesleyan, he apparently is in a vehicle headed towards Las Vegas. I think we've lost Dan, too. I don't know who this guy is I don't know. We got, here. you know, TD, because we're on camera now, and he's like telling me where to put my cord for my That's headset. Weird. And it, it just knocking me out. First, they take away the chairs that had the armrests. Well, you've got a collared shirt on, too. You seem overly dressed up. That's definitely. I do wear collared shirts. I don't know why everyone's so stunned by this. When? Um you know, once a week or so. Like in March, <laughs> you wore in. one of these shirts. Sure, why not? Um, by the way, I don't know if you've noticed, Mark and, and Greg, that on our Facebook feeds, Emmy Awards all over the place. Oh, it's... Oh, you mean from TD? Top to bottom. TD loves showing that off. Well, I was going nice. to build up to TD, but yeah, TD got one as well. And first of all, I'm going to congratulate you. Mark is dismissively shaking his head. Congratulations. That's a really nice honor. Thank that you is Appreciate a very it. typical Dan move to throw me under the bus when it is his ire that's been raised yeah. by this dynamic. Here's the one thing I will say. I think it's wonderful that you won an award. Have a nice time with it. That, see, your true nature came out there at what? the end. Enjoy it. But honestly, how do we – Greg, this feels like it falls on you a little bit. Everyone – Ben Lieberberg, our great photographer, has a Facebook photo holding two Emmys. Right. We got TD displaying one on Facebook with hashtag blessed. How do we get Emmys? Well, you can do projects like the JFK Memorial mm. or something like that. You, they can have their Emmys. We've got a Stitcher. Who, which would you rather have? We've got a Stitcher Award and a Best of wow. iTunes. I don't see those on Facebook. I don't a- see a Stitcher Award a, either, a, by any, the way. Every, anyone gets an Emmy, like 60 people, people that barely worked on something. I got an Emmy back at NBC once for – NBC Sunday Night Football that I participated in an online chat. I I did the second half of the game a chat. But then that's why your hunger to get an Emmy is low because (laughs) you have one. They hand it out to anyone, pretty much. Basically, they're being handed out like cups of coffee. You don't have to do too much. TD's going to wear his as a necklace. (laughs) Well, all I can say is, yes, there's some people that get it without doing much. I played my part on the team. Uh, Nobody doubts that. Anyway, so that, I mean, it's just a grim reminder of where we are on the food chain. Dan, That's I think all. we need to go pitch a low-level project, mm-hmm. get our names hooked onto it as some sort of high-level executive producer, and then don't touch that project again. The, the metal, the hardware will flow in. The gold. But congrats, <laughs> TD. Thank you, guys. Don't let our bitterness affect your glory. It's weird to me that you want this so bad. I like Isn't material having a, things. Having Dan's a, a competitive you... guy. I don't know if you noticed. He doesn't like other podcasts. You know I don't. What? I, just, I despise podcast. the uh, Jeremiah podcast, podcast although I like not, the man. Not be named. Yeah. Like, move the sticks. And Actually, that last episode with Baldinger and uh, talking offensive it was really good stuff. Oh. You're a hardcore into football. It's a great show. Everyone should download it. It's Goodness. good stuff. 
this is the best podcast. And I'll tell you why. And people are going to find out in the next 43 minutes or so why this is the best podcast on NFL.com. And I'm not afraid to say it. And it's going to get us an Academy Award one day. Just wait and see. Uh, today's show is going to be all about week four. It's going to be our preview show where we go over all the games. This is, Greg, I don't know if you're aware, the first bye week week mm. of the season. Not only that, six teams on a bye. That's a big number. So to me, that what that tells me is that gives us more time to chew on these other games, get excited, people, because we're going to get in-depth on in all these games. A lot of hero picks on the table. A lot. Too. Almost too many hero picks uh, on the table, and we'll get to that a little later. So, all right, before we get going, like we do every week, let's throw it to coverage of the Thursday night game with Greg and Mark. Hit it, guys. <laughs> Thank you, Dan. Another Thursday night. This game looked like a good one, and we got another stinker. The Giants rolling up on the Redskins, 45-14. to 14. So much for uh, road teams always lose on Thursday night. You know, I have not covered too many of these Thursday night games, and you uh, were kind enough to let me handle <laughs> let last you. Thursday night's uh, de- demoralizing watch between the Bucks <laughs> and the Falcons. And tonight, it started off... Looking like it might be a game, but it got out of hand in that second half. Well, it was still a good story tonight. You have Eli Manning, five touchdowns, learning that Ben McAdoo offense, this Giants team putting together as complete a performance in back-to-back weeks as you could ask for, and then you had the Kirk Cousins epic meltdown in the second half, ends up with five turnovers. So even though it wasn't a very good game I feel like the stories that came out of this game are pretty interesting moving forward. Yeah, and another reminder for those of us that, you know, as a living, we comment about football, you know, not to draw massive conclusions (laughs) after a couple weeks because, you know, there were breathless reports before kickoff that the Redskins might be ready to crown Kirk Cousins as their quarterback of the future. And you made a good point. You said, let's see what happens over the next six weeks, five weeks. And tonight did not help his case at all. Right. If... If he has even one more game like this, that discussion is over. We reported on NFL Network, NFL Media Insider Ian Rapport that the Redskins believe Griffin would accept a backup role if that was the case, that he would take it well, and that their eyes are wide open to looking to see what Cousins does over the next six weeks. But I think the problem that he had tonight is when things got bad, he didn't bow up and start playing better, he totally crumbled and freaked out like a young player and just started throwing up some crazy passes. You know, he wasn't accurate. He didn't make good decisions, and he had bad luck. It was like the holy triumvirate. Yeah, and, you know, in the past we've seen when it was Kyle Shanahan running this offense in Washington that they really let Alfred Morris be a big centerpiece. 63 yards tonight, didn't have a bad night, but they seemed to keep putting the game on Cousins' shoulders, and... That's almost like the way for Gruden back in Cincinnati with Andy Dalton. That went really wrong tonight. But a big story for me also is a Giants defense, a secondary that made a ton of plays. Uh, we loved Prince Mukamura. He's played well all season. Really good season so far for him, yeah. Dominique rogers Cromartie left this game with an injury, so that's something to watch because going into this game, rogers Cromartie and Mukamura have been one of the better duos in the league. I know they didn't have a great week one in Detroit, but but since then they had two really good games. Their pass rush is deep. It's not as good as it once was, but it has Pierre Paul. Uh, 
Kiwanuka had a big play tonight. Who was it? Robert Ayers just put one of the Redskins on their backs. Yeah. That was one of my favorite plays. No, their pass rush looks good. And let's not forget uh, their newfound playmaking tight end, Larry Donnell, who three touchdowns, the first three scores for the Giants. The last guy to do that back in 1962. Jets fans will know this guy, Joe Walton, who I only know as a child as this sour-faced, embattled coach. Apparently he was a tight end at one point, and quite a good one. I did not know... uh... Joe Walton was going to make it onto the show. It's funny, though. You talked about not getting too caught up with storylines earlier in the year. How about offseason storylines? Tight end was supposed to be the big problem in New York. Even Tom Coughlin complained about it publicly, saying we don't have any tight ends. And here's Larry Donnell. He's been very consistent. All, yeah. all four weeks, he's been a factor. He scored three touchdowns tonight, but he's been a factor all three weeks. And Eli Manning has to be said, played Almost flawless football. Ended up with an interception, but was near perfect in the first half. And he did drop some deep passes, which we hadn't seen out of him earlier in the season. First thing for that. And really, you know, before he kind of, he spread out a few interceptions late in the game. Very close to, after four weeks, reaching that 70% completion rate that we all laughed at. Late, yeah. You know, he, he, yeah, incompletions late, right? He, he's at, I think, 66.9 or something right now, which is a career high for him. And, you know, listen, I think, you know, I was one of the people that laughed at the whole concept of Ben McAdoo <laughs> yeah, coming yeah, in and re- Yeah, and it's, it, it shows you that these guys have a chance every week to prove us wrong. And I feel differently about the Giants than I did two weeks ago, which means two weeks from now, <laughs> I will be right again. Well, th- their schedule's tough coming up. They host Atlanta, and then they go on the road for Dallas and Philly. So that's a big stretch for them against another NFC contender and then the two division games on the road. But you pick off a road game in the division. That's almost like an extra half win. And the Redskins, on the other hand, are now 0-2 in the division. And I think they're a better team than they showed tonight. But they're now 1-3. They're in last place. They're in a tough spot here. And their defense, just the secondary, they've lost a lot of pieces. I think they'll be better on offense, but I'm not sure how much better they're going to be on defense week to week. Speaking of defense, though, Linebacker Brandon Rockwell had this to say about Eli Manning's performance. Man, you're doing a hell of a job coaching us, man, but he's throwing that thing. Yeah, that's true. That sometimes, yeah. sometimes there's no uh, defense for a perfectly thrown Eli Manning pass. Well, and that was a clip during the, uh, the, the CBS telecast tonight, and the coach huddled over Rakpo, just sort of shook his head and said, you're right, and not that I am doing a great job coaching, but we cannot solve this guy. How often Can't have we stopped. said that about Eli Manning? I know. he. This was one of his better performances we've seen in a while since he was really on fire for much of the 2011 season uh, and really the, the early part of 2012, and it's been all downhill since then. I will remember this game, though, as the second half of Kirk Cousins when it all comes down to it. Terrible the, body language. <laughs> you didn't like the body Awful. language. Awful. He, he, like you said, That's he what I said, crumbled. it was crumbling. But let, let's go over it here. Here's his second half uh, performance. They, they start off nice uh, with the touchdown drive. Then interception, interception, three and out, interception, interception, three and out. You are a factory of sadness! That's right. That clip now needs to be applied to the Redskins and their fan base. Very ugly times. I don't know about you, but I can. we're sitting in an empty studio. I can already see the, the phantom vision of Dan spinning his finger, telling us to get out of this segment. <laughs> yeah, let's move on to some happier news, and that's looking ahead to the rest of Sunday's games. Dan, back to you. All right, let's move forward. 
All right, gentlemen, so let's start off now with the top games that kind of jumped out to us in week four. We'll go around the horn. I'm looking at you, Mark. I'm looking into those blue eyes, those pale blue-colored eyes. As Slightly awkward moment Ed Kowalczyk here on the podcast. of Live once said in Lightning Crashers, tell me what jumped out to you, your game that you're excited to watch on Sunday. Well, I was asked to come up with one of the matchups, and I just picked this one. So, uh, Why do you always undermine our segments? I wanted to be honest. That's how we do this. I picked this. Well, why, so you why? picked a game. I picked a game, and you know what? That's I, the idea. I picked the Packers and the Bears. I normally – a good one. That's I didn't grow one. up loving the, the old black and blue division. I'm not a gigantic Packers-Bears Wait, guy. The, the Browns aren't playing this week, but you can pay attention I to had the rest to shift of the league to and a, get excited. The other <laughs> There's conference. other teams. That's right. And <laughs> when I look at this game, it is intriguing – for a lot of reasons, mainly because we all thought Green Bay Super Bowl contender is going to roar out to a 3-0 start. Instead, they're 1-2. Only 14% of 1-3 teams even make the playoffs since Oof. 1990. Mm. And I, you know, we all say you can't call something a must-win game, but you've got to take care of business if you're the Packers, and it starts with an offense that isn't getting it done over the last three weeks. Well, this is a team... First of all, not many of those one and two teams had Aaron Rodgers. Probably none of them. I don't know. Well, Packers have been in a bad spot plenty of times under Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy. They were in the year that they won the Super Bowl. A lot of years, they've been hovering around 500, and they go on a run. So I hesitate to say anything's a must-win this early. But the problem with them right now is they're predictable. They're keeping the same formation on the team because they on the field and because they want to do hurry-up all game, and they've become very predictable. It's very strange to see the Packers' offense so stymied like that. It's uh, like Randall Cobb, for instance, who I thought might, in a weird way, lead the NFC in catches this year, used to be someone they'd use all over the field. We're not seeing that. They have, they have I think Brady is only one, one quarterback has fewer big plays of 25 yards or more through the air than Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubting they've gotten off to a very slow start. But we all talked about this on the last show, that we're not extremely worried about this team just yet. And when you look at our picks, across the board, we went with the Packers. And when I think about this game, I think about a Chicago team that didn't blow me away by any stretch against the Jets. I didn't think they played very well at all. They were lucky to get a win there. And I think Green Bay is in a situation where they've had a week of preparation knowing the mistakes they've made, hearing the hearing the talk that they're off to a slow start. I think everything is cresting in a nice way for them to deliver a memorable memorable performance to the point where when the Vince Lombardi trophy is raised in February, this will be the game that people will remember as when the Packers Ooh. started clicking and made their rise. I Well, that, you're sticking by your pick, which is, I is Laudable. I don't know. That we both picked the Packers. Pick. We both had we the did, Packers. We did, so they got to start winning. You know? That's true. They haven't won a road game yet. This is on the road. You said they have to hold serve, but it's tough to win in the division on the road. If they lose this, they're 0-3 on the road, 0-2 in the division. I do think they win. I, I don't love their offensive line and their defense that we crowed about all offseason, talking about how fast, how athletic, what a great defense this is going to be. Come on. Rodgers, I not been great. People have faulted Rodgers. You know, when I go back and watch those games, it's not know. on him it's not alone. Rogers. No. But his numbers reflect wider problems with the team. He's holding on to the ball too long sometimes. I think the offensive line will get better, especially in the run game. But to me, I don't know, just something is out of sync. It's hard to put your finger on it. And the fact that those other guys, Boykin, Cobb to a certain degree, and Devontae Adams, they're not getting open one-on-one. Against the Bears, everyone should get open. 
This secondary is not good. This defense is not good. They have not particularly played well. I think they look better than they have been because they played a 49ers team that's struggling a little bit on offense, a Jets team. They, they lucked out in that one. I like when all five of us pick one way. Right. right. It's and such it's a, a recipe for complete doom. disaster. It is. So let's move on to another game now. And another NFC contender off to a slow start. And Greg Rosenthal downstairs in the NFL media newsroom said, hey, guys, this is the game I want to talk about. Privately shared that with us. And now the <laughs> stage is yours, Greg, to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles heading to Philadelphia Eagles, the other way to say that city's name. 3-0 heading to San Fran to face the 49ers. Well, this is closer to a must-win for me for the 49ers because they're at home for this game. They could go to 1-3. and three. They're in the toughest division in football right now in the NFC West. And it's not a matchup that serves up pretty well for them right now because their defensive problems are significant. Philadelphia is going to be missing half their offensive line. Jason Kelsey's now out, and he's a big loss. Uh, you know, on that Move the Sticks podcast, TD, mm. Baldinger was talking about Kelsey as the most agile center in the entire league, the best guy at you know going out and blocking on the edge. So that's a big loss for them. And, and their replacements that were in last week, now they're down to their eighth, ninth, tenth offensive lineman. They did not look good. And yet I took the Eagles for this game because I think Chip Kelly's a better coach than Jim Harbaugh. And I just think the Eagles' offense is the best group in this game. You know, someone in this room wrote a highly compelling uh, article just before the podcast (laughs) and published it on our website. And what it talked about was that this is a matchup of the best. Who wrote it? One of us, the guy speaking right now. Oh, it was you. Yeah. The best fourth quarter offense against what has been this season the worst. No one scored more points in the fourth Mm. quarter than the Eagles. That also reflects the fact they've had to come back into games. But the 49ers have not scored a touchdown in the fourth quarter all season. Well, if Kerry I mean, Williams is to be believed, the Eagles will be so tired going into this game, they might you know, not even show up. I believe he was spoken to by Chip <laughs> Kelly and Chip Kelly's henchmen, and we won't be hearing those complaints again. Do we have less respect <laughs> for Chip Kelly that he's still starting this clown each week, Kerry Williams? Put him on the bench for know. these ridiculous Clown. Dan's Jeez. respect level for Chip Kelly was already at a point that couldn't get a whole lot lower, yeah. so let's it's, have well, him Well, it's not that. an issue of respect. It's more, you know, is he truly the genius? No, I don't believe he well, is. Well, he's 3-0 right now with a team that's gotten two lousy games out of their quarterback. Well, let's see how Doesn't we... have a pass rush, and yet they're just dialing up wins. Let's see how we picked them as a group. Uh, I took the Niners, as did Mark and Wes and Greg and Kevin Patra, our Chicago correspondent. Went with the Eagles. Uh, I just I look at the Niners. I know they have tons of problems, but I think this is a game where they're going to backs against the wall. They can't go one and three of that division. They're at home. Jim Harbaugh's you know crazy man. You know he's going to have them pumped up <laughs> if they haven't quit on him entirely. I I really think this is a game the Niners will win. And if they don't win, the wheels could be flying off. Well, I think that's the key question. You mentioned it, and Ian Rappaport, NFL insider Ian Rappaport, has mentioned. A couple times this season that that is not a happy locker room and they aren't on board with Harbaugh and that Harbaugh has, you know, his eyes are wandering to the maybe the next experience on the coaching road. Well, everyone picked the 49ers when they opened Levi Stadium. Well, of course, they'll take care of the Bears. You know, that's the type of game. Oh, they're going to be so fired up the stadium. They lost. Everyone took them last week in Arizona cuz that's a spot you know they need to win badly that's a, that's the type of game the 49ers always win they're going against Drew Stanton and they lose that game the Packers and the 49ers to me are actually similar types of teams we're betting on their history showing up that they've been good the last few years but sometimes teams 
They just get worse. That's what I think the 49ers are going to be this year. I just think they're going to be a lousy, drama-filled team that wins seven or eight games. And you have been pining for this all offseason. I have. Well, someone's got to fall. We can't have the same the same teams every year. How about right. a team that went out and named its stadium after a pair of jeans? That is the <laughs> recipe for a downturn. Typically grim. But at least it wasn't like Wrangler Stadium. That's though. fair. At least Levi's was a classic. A little bit less offensive. Uh, all right, moving on. The game that I I like that we just take all these shots at uh, you know different league sponsors throughout the show. That's listen. That's as long do. as no one's listening to the show, <laughs> we're cool. Uh, I like the game. Uh, jumped out to me. Maybe not the most beautiful game of the week in terms of Super Bowl contenders. But how about the Buffalo Bills two and one going to Houston to face the two and one Texans? Two teams that have been a little bit surprising this season. Uh, what I'm really interested in seeing, and one thing to keep an eye on is Arian Foster as of the taping of this podcast and vodcast video segment. No, let's Nailed not, it. Let's not no. go with that. Okay. Uh, Arian Foster is a <laughs> game time. What? Did you make that up? I just said things I heard. Right. That's like streets. a glossary term that MTV dropped like 14 years ago. <laughs> we got to put some highlights in the video podcast, by the way, because like, why would anyone want to watch it? Would you want to watch that? You know, probably some people did, and you just convinced them to click off and go to another well, website. If so they made it, excellent If, if they made it this far, we, we already got the click. I'm just saying, would you want to watch just people sitting around talking? Maybe if they I were to, at some to point, begin to discuss the game. Right. That's probably they, – they want need something to watch. Uh, but can I go back to my Aaron Foster point? Please. Okay. Uh, he's probably a game-time decision. He's got that hamstring issue. So that's something to watch out for. But I'm really interested to see, again, E.J. Manuel holds the key to the kingdom in Buffalo. I want to see how he does on the road against the defense that has some players on it. J.J. Watt could destroy his life potentially. Uh, but I, I think this is a compelling matchup between two teams, and I expect it to be a field goal game. I'd like to hear what – Ryan Fitzpatrick has to say to EJ Manuel before the game mm. about here's what happens when they tell you in Buffalo that you're their savior quarterback. <laughs> Let's talk again in a few years. Well, that the Bills, I mean, the Bills were couldn't have been better to Ryan Fitzpatrick. Right. He gave $60 million. He's got to live for the rest of his life off that. All right. From that angle, thing. it's not a disaster. He's but like, They treated know. me really well, and I just let them down. That's what he would say to EJ Manuel. Okay, well, that mystery has been solved. <laughs> it, it, it's a reunion week in the NFL, and in the, the Fitzpatrick-Buffalo one, is it's hard to get as excited about that. I get goosebumps. Uh, Greg and Patcher both took the Bills. The rest of us took the Texans. So those are the games that of this group we got excited about. I don't even know if they need Arian Foster in this game because they got Sessler's boy. Alfred Blue. Actually, I went back and watched Alfred Blue. He looked Blue. good. Well, he had a 46-yard run at one point. I think he had like nine of his other – 13 runs were less than two yards. Even when they were short, though. I, you know, Bill O'Brien's been talking them up all week. There's another a tough runner in this game. I know you want to move on. We do. Yeah, we should. Doug Marone and Bill O'Brien, best of buddies, throwing zingers at each Don't other. Don't care. All right. Their wives were college roommates. But, by the way, this is not an even match. That's I feel nugget. really good about having the road underdog. I think the Bills are <laughs> a good team here, and the Texans are lousy. Scouter shot Fitzpatrick last week. How dare you? One mistake. One game of mistakes. He's been great his whole career. That's not true. <laughs> All right, that's it. Those are the three games that jumped out to us. And now we'll go into an extended version of everyone's favorite interlude of the pick segment. Defend your hero. <laughs> Defend your hero. Of course, that's Handsome Hank, the notorious DOP, also of the, I think, Mark, you called him on the previous podcast a character 
on the Dave Damashek football program? I believe uh, personality. Personality. Right, a sidekick. And also all someone humans who does have something on NFL.com. Right. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want to drill down too hard. It's complex. People don't care. Elliot Harrison's sidekick, essentially. Oof. That's the Whoop. end of this show. <laughs> um, so Henry is in England right now for the uh, the football games across the pond. Uh, I think he's doing some dispatches, too, for the Around the yeah, NFL page, Yeah, a couple right? posts. Oh, good. So anyway, so yes, this is the Defend Your Hero segment where uh, each week, usually at least one of us have a pick that goes against the grain and everyone else goes in the other direction. Uh, and this week in particular, I'm really out there. I have a grand total of four hero picks, which I'm pretty terrified about, actually. But why don't we start, first of all, with Mr. Kevin Patrick coming at you, who uh, went out on a limb, believes that, speaking of England, the Raiders will get off the schneid in London at Wembley Stadium and take down the Miami Dolphins, who are in all sorts of tumult right now with uh, Ryan Tannehill coming out and naming himself the starter. Joe Philbin on Thursday uh, although he didn't say say as much in the press conference, there was a report out there, I believe in the Miami Herald, that he had a private meeting with the team and essentially apologized for putting uh, this unnecessary distraction on the team about not naming a quarterback. So Tannehill's a starter. I don't know how long his rope is, but I think Patra is buying into the fact that the Dolphins are really going to lose again. Patra ain't here, but Mark Sessler is. So Mark Sessler... Defend that hero. That was a gallant lead-in. Right. I mm-hmm. think you already defended I'm not it. sure where to go. You, you You've ever... taken a lot of the fire out of my argument, which did not have a lot of fire to I begin needed, with. I thought, as the host, I needed to set it up, and then you would go the deep diving into under the cracks and crevices that people don't even if know. If Dan hadn't right. set it up, he'd already be circling his finger <laughs> in the air. Let me let me see why see I now. think Patra did this. Hey, number one, Patra I think went fourteen and two last 13 week. Thirteen and three, actually. Thirteen and yes. three. So really, anything he does, I'll just say probably a good move on his part. All he right. did an outstanding. Do- you know, this was basically <laughs> an attempt to get under the skin of handsome Hank, who is in London and a lifelong <laughs> Dolphins fan. I think it was a little bit of a nudge that said, uh. "Oh yeah, yeah, you on your business trip." overseas, not all things will be rainbows. And one thing that I can see happening here <laughs> is Oakland winning this game. If you go back and watch, you know, listen, sometimes these teams that are so hapless or potentially hapless, if they're going to grow, it's not going to always happen in week one. Oakland is not a very talented team on offense, but Derek Carr, who everyone likes to dismiss entirely, I thought he did some good things against New England. Yeah, He was far from a disaster, and they made the most – of a bad offensive line in New England right now that's not getting the job done. Oakland hung in there. Who thought they were going to lose that game 16-9? to Some of that, I think, was the product of New England not being itself right now. But your point is a good one. That Well, my point is yeah. that Oakland took New England a little bit out of its game, and they kept New England off the field for a big chunk of the first half. They did a good job. And, and this is Miami's offense has been an issue. Tannehill, I think, is 31st in the league in completion percentage. He's and in he's the Gabbard zone for the season. 30 yards, per, yards attempt. per attempt. He's 32 right now. That offense was supposed to come in and electrify right out of the gate the same way Phillies did. And if the running game isn't working, if they can slow down Miami's run game, they're going to give Miami problems. Patrick's not insane. Derek Carr <laughs> did something last week that Ryan Tannehill still can't really do. And that's throw the ball before your receiver makes his cuts. And that I noticed that three or four times in the in the Raiders game that Carr let go of the ball. It's a timing pattern. His guy hasn't even made his cut. It's right there on the money. Tannehill is one of those guys Mayock always talks about, like Jay Cutler. He's got to see it before he throws it. There's no anticipation. There's no feel of the pocket. 
I mean, Carr was a better quarterback last week. I don't know if he will be this week. I think the the Dolphins' defense is the best group in this game. That's why I took them. But it wouldn't surprise me. I don't think the Raiders are big underdogs in this game. I really don't. It is as far as hero picks go. I think this is a strong one. But I mean, I, I use my Duracell power pick. Mm, uh, good for you. Ow! On the Dolphins, just because I I think the Dolphins. A couple of weeks ago, I I sent a, a tweet out that I thought the Dolphins had a good shot at getting to four and zero. That's obviously not going to happen. But I thought through <laughs> through the first week. Maybe and, not a tweet you want to bring back up. Listen, I'm I'm not one of these pundits that don't bring up their failures. That's a, that's a pet peeve of You're mine. You're a pundit. Yeah. You're well, a pundit. What? You shut up, everyone, and listen to me when I speak. Um, that I think that honestly, the the Dolphins aren't as bad as maybe they've seen the last two weeks, and the Raiders stink. Come on, see that's where I disagree. I think people just look at Oakland, and I don't know how many Raiders games you watch this. Oh, they're terrible. I'm going to keep. You know, you it'd be smart to pick against them every week this season. You probably get eleven of those right. But More. if you watch that Patriots game, they were not a disaster. Justin Tuck played a little bit better last week, but the difference is Cameron Wake. Olivier Vernon, the defensive talent on Miami is strong, and I don't see any reason to believe that the Raiders are going to put up more than 14, 17 points. Two words, Khalil Mack, next game. Boom. All right, we're going into the next four picks are all hero picks of mine. As I said, I'm terrified about it. Greg, why don't you, you know, I guess tee it up. We should start with uh, the one that, if I were you, I'd feel the best about. Okay. Because not only is it your team, the New York Jets, but they're at home against the team that's typically uneven, the Detroit Lions. Defend your hero. I, re- I mean, I think the Jets, they, they looked really bad on Monday night and their inability to take advantage of uh, the Bears that were trying to give them that game. But I think ultimately they've been a good team at home in the last couple of years, especially with Geno Smith behind center. He's never lost back-to-back games at the Meadowlands in his career. And, yeah, what you said, you, I mean, you nailed it. The Lions. Nailed it. They're two teams. Both teams are kind of hard to figure out right now. Um, and I think I'm taking the home team. I don't know I don't know if I can trust the Lions to do well in, the, in that setting. I think the Jets will play better this week than they did on Monday. I just feel good about the Jets here. I think, Dan, as a point, you know, there's probably a little bit of buyer's remorse on the part of the entirety around the NFL group. We all picked the Jets. We got fried for it. It's like, I'm not going to make that mistake again. The Lions have three-plus turnovers in eight of the last ten games. A bunch of those came on the road. You can say that doesn't matter, but you know what? New York did not look as bad to me as the score in, the, in part of that game last week. I think that Rex Ryan is one of the, remains one of the better coaches in the AFC, especially with the defense. You have to win the matchup with Megatron. That's your challenge right there. Well, I don't think they're going to win it, but the question is whether they get killed on it. Keep him uh, from just going he plays. off. He hasn't even practiced as we tape this. Uh, but that period. happened last year. How, in what, ten, how many weeks were we in- writing an injury update on Megatron on Saturday? Right. Antonio Allen, uh, your Jets cornerback, says he wants to hold Megatron without a catch. Uh, that's his goal. I mean, <laughs> it's good to have goals. And one, by the way, one Jets-related thing. I don't this narrative that's been floating around or it's been pushed ever since Geno bombed on Monday night that all of a sudden maybe is his job in danger and all this stuff. Stupid. It's completely yeah, it's stupid. stupid. I mean the, the the Jets still believe in Smith and he showed he showed enough this season, Monday notwithstanding, to have a pretty long leash right now. So Geno Smith is not on a week to week deal right now. Michael Vick is not about to go into the game for the Jets. One reason I took the the Lions was because of how they closed out the game against Green Bay. This was a team that always used to struggle to run the ball when Scott Linehan was running the offense and close out these late games, and you'd have some crazy plays because they just throw. And I I like this running game. I like the 
movement that Matthew Stafford is showing this year. I don't know if he's gotten better at that. I swear he's gotten better at moving, running, that, avoiding tacklers. He's looked really good. They this really year. played it up on Monday Night Football in week one when he was dodging the Giants that he spent the offseason getting uh, better shape and all that. And I think maybe that has something to do with it. One last thing. We talk about Calvin Johnson. The wide receiver that might be the most important in this game is Eric Decker and his health because if he can't go or if he has to pull himself out of the game like he did last week, then New York suddenly has nothing vertical down the field. And you're going to have to score some points, I think, in this football game. Agreed. That will be a big uh, difference. So you're saying there. Stephen Hill not going to – oh, wait. He's yeah, not even Stephen Hill people. working at a local price right in, like, East Hampstead, Actually, New Jersey. Actually, you know where he is? He's on a practice squad of the Carolina Panthers, and that's Nug. Dan's next hero pick. Oh, How about that for a transition? I am that retiring from the host chair after that. Uh Baltimore Ravens, Carolina Panthers should be one of the best games of the week. You're the only one that took the Panthers. Defend your hero. First of all, I really liked that transition. Thanks, Again, buddy. Stephen Hill Thanks, buddy. to Carolina. That was really solid. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Panthers are good. The Panthers are good. I, I can't believe I got a hero pick on yeah. this. They, they stumble on Sunday night. Sometimes games get away from a team. That's what happened against the Steelers. Uh, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden I, I don't think that the Panthers can go into Baltimore and beat a Ravens team. That I'm, I'm sorry. I mean, Ravens to me are an eight to nine win team, maybe ten at the at the ceiling. But they're not a great team by any stretch. I think the Panthers are better. I think Panther uh, Cam Newton's another week removed from ankle surgery. I think that they're just the better team with the better defense, and that will carry the day. One thing I noticed last week in the game against the Browns for Baltimore. Their run defense, and this has been a theme all season, has gotten better in Baltimore. They're, they're doing a nice job against the run. Their defense in general is tough, and, and, and Carolina doesn't bring much on the ground. So suddenly it's going to put a lot of pressure on Cam Newton to make plays through the air all game long. And Baltimore's offense, you've got Steve Smith. He's fired up to come in here and have that game that puts everyone on the map to say, Panthers, you made a mistake by letting this guy. Dave Gettleman, you wanted to save your pennies? You just let your best wide receiver walk out the door. Have a nice afternoon. And he famously said, even before he had signed with the Ravens, that if the Panthers are on his schedule, get out the goggles because there's going to be blood and guts everywhere on the field at, at, nice. uh, in Carolina. This game is not played in Carolina, but close enough. And and Joe Flacco had a funny line also yesterday. He was, he was asked if he thought that Steve uh, Smith would be coming to him asking for more targets. And uh, Flacco's response was, I'm not going to – Listen to that maniac. I mean, that will mess up my play or something like that. And then they asked Smith about it, of course, and he said, I guess that's a, some type of backhanded compliment. But he kind of took it in stride. So, no, the other, and Dennis Pitta, him not in the picture. Yeah, out for hard. the year, that's maybe bad. out for his career, unfortunately, with that hip injury. That's a big loss, and Owen Daniels will not fill that void anytime soon. This is the best game of the week now that I think about it. Maybe I should have taken it at the top of the show because these are two teams – I don't have a feel for yet this season, but I think they both could be pretty good. That's why I took the Ravens. I feel weird about it because I still like the Panthers. I got a hero pick on the Panthers earlier this season, so it's worked out well for me. They've always been very good to us here at the Around the NFL podcast. <laughs> They've been great. But the the Ravens have impressed me too. You mentioned them stopping the run. Their offensive line is so much better. and They're going to be without their left tackle, Eugene Monroe, for three or four weeks, so that could be a big factor. But they're so much better run blocking and pass blocking. They're good up front. I thought it was a coin flip type of game that these both could be playoff teams. 
and uh, that's why I took the home team. I talked with your band, Dan, Daniel Jeremiah, yesterday, and he – I like talk- DJ, by the way. I know you do. A lot of people in the Ravens organization um, – You just, just don't a- like his podcast. Yes. Sorry. It, it's not a mistake that big plays are coming off the right side of that line. They're, they're much happier with the right side of the line right now. Hmm. And one guy to look for, rookie running back Lorenzo Taliaferro, looked Woo. fantastic against Cleveland last week. Kind of unstoppable. He had a summertime arrest, went off the grid. No one had much to say about him. He's, a, he's an X factor here. Everybody, anybody that wants to call Lorenzo Taliaferro LT, do not do it because that is a great name and that should be said fully first and last every time on every reference. All right. Another great name. I don't know. I got to come Ooh, up with one. Almost. Sean See? Payton. No, not so much. <laughs> no, no, no. Dez is a pretty good name. Dez Bryant. Dez Bryant, Dallas Cowboys, New Orleans Saints. Put too so much pressure on yourself. I remember these games from the last – Five years. Whenever Sean Payton goes up against the Cowboys, it just seems like he's got a little extra juice in the offensive playbook. Bill Parcells' old team, his old team. Saints, Cowboys. Dan, you're the only one that has the Cowboys. Defend your hero. This is the only one I don't feel great about. I I get sucked in. Everyone knows uh, on this podcast, I get sucked in by all NFC East teams, but particularly the the Cowboys and the Giants. And I, I think, <laughs> but I think in this case, the, I. I the only thing I can hang my hat on and feel somewhat confident about is that the Saints aren't going to be as good on the road. I think, Greg, you mentioned it yesterday in the newsroom. Were they 6-12? and 6-12 and 12 since the start of 2012. So all on the you, road. All you Saints fans that tweeted at me a couple of weeks ago when I said they were a bad road team, like what am I talking about? 6-12. and 12. Yeah, so that I mean that tells you right there that no one should be blindly thinking the Saints are going to go into Dallas and wipe out the Cowboys. I think I liked what I saw from Tony Romo last week. I think the Cowboys are going to score points. I think this is a game that they're going to have to put up about 30 points, and I think they could do it against Rob Ryan. Rob Ryan has shown that he could fail at Cowboys Stadium or whatever they call it now, <laughs> AT&T Stadium, and I think he'll fail again, and I think – Cowboys will come out with a nice little upset Stats win. Inc. does a study on like successful plays, and the Saints and Cowboys offenses lead the league in successful plays this season. And, you know, we look at the Saints that are 1-2. and two. What's wrong in New Orleans? Actually, they've scored on 13 of 28 drives. That's the best in the league, and they have the best third-down conversion in the league right now. Well, what's wrong is their defense. Rob Ryan, he doesn't need to go on the road to struggle. He struggles everywhere. I guess they did fine last week against the Vikings. But statistically, they are among the worst defenses in the league so far, and they've got to go up against a very good offensive line in DeMarco Murray. I feel like every other year, Rob Ryan is either a genius or a fool. <laughs> That's and true. And this is the fool year, next year he'll be riding high again. Somewhere goes. else. Yeah, somewhere else. Yeah, the Saints are 31st in the league uh, by football outsiders numbers. The only team uh, that's worse, your Cleveland Browns. Oof. On defense. On defense, right. Well, actually, aren't you the best at being the worst defense? <laughs> this is my favorite year, favorite week of the year, by the way, uh, having done now five seasons with Mark. Whenever it's the Cleveland bye week, you don't have to worry about Mark yeah, being in a bad mood at any true. point in the afternoon. Everything's going to be okay. It's going to be Mark just enjoying pigskin. Oh, right. pigskin We, we can worry about ourselves and our teams instead of just worrying about Mark's Mark, well-being. Mark the whole time. I got one more, Greg. Oh, yeah. I Another have no hero. comment on that fine this diatribe the, that just came from the The second here. week of the year <laughs> that Dan has four hero picks. I had five, actually, in week oh, one. Oh, you did? Uh, and, you, was... and you hit three of them. Yes, I did. And so you still lead the season uh, standings in hero picks, not in overall record. Middle of the pack in overall, maybe in the back end. You've got three hero picks. I have two. Patrick's got a couple. Your last one of the week, the Kansas City Chiefs at home on Monday night football against my 
New England Patriots defend your hero. I got to say, I said the Dallas game, I had maybe a little bit of regret. This one I'm feeling good about. Monday night, New England Patriots don't know what they're doing on offense right now. Gronk's not playing. He's playing half the game, not moving too well. And the Chiefs do? Well, listen, the the Chiefs, <laughs> this is my concern about the Chiefs is Jamal Charles, if he's healthy. I know they they have tons of injuries, the Chiefs. Maybe they're not the same team, but they're coming off a win. They're in their own building. It's going to be loud. It's going to be uh, – there's going to be a lot of barbecue being ingested. I don't know how that <laughs> affects the game, but it's still fun. I think uh, the, the Patriots are going to continue to struggle on offense, even against the uh, Chiefs team that's not going to scare anybody. And I think the Chiefs win. I, I really like – I feel good about this. The Patriots are not playing well. They've – They've uh, been able to, uh, you know, the season has not started terribly for them, but at the same time, they could easily have lost all the games, really, they played, right? Well, the Vikings game was No, that's fair. That's fair. But still, I mean, I I just feel good about this. I think Kansas City at home is in a good spot. You know, the Chiefs, I'm sometimes, early in the year, I got stuck on what happened in week one with them, and they've got their issues, but they've run for over 300 yards in the last two weeks. Mm-hmm. They have success running the football. That's what they're about. Alex Smith, you know, it's easy to overlook him too. I think his play has been, with what he's dealing with and the shortcomings on the offensive line, has gone above and beyond what they could have asked. I mean, he is one of, quietly one of the better rushing quarterbacks in the entire sure. NFL, and people don't want to see that. They'll look elsewhere. It's like this guy continues to make these plays. They have unbelievable limitations right now. Pro Football Focus has the Chiefs and the Patriots – Offensive lines as the worst two offensive lines in the league overall and in terms of pass protection. These two teams are really mirror images of each other because all they can do is dink and dunk. I mean, Alex Smith didn't attempt a single pass last week that traveled more than 10 yards in the air. Not once. Wow. And they they scored 34 points, and they won the game, and he faced a lot of immediate pressure, but they ran the ball, and he made good throws on third down. The two teams are, are very similar. They're not explosive. I guess it'd be a, a game you could play some fantasy defenses or something. Well, and meanwhile, mm. Brady is one, in, <laughs> one for 17 on passes over 20 yards, which is worst in the league right now, I think for many of the same reasons. Because in the past, you'd say New England will spend that first month figuring out what it doesn't want to do on offense, and then it will, like, unlike some teams, transform itself and, and it become will. something else. I still think it will. They might, but when your offensive line is looking worse than it has in a decade, the issues are there. I think Dan is maybe onto something with this home game on Monday night yeah, that can change. That and, changes. And here's sometimes. the other thing: like, and the Patriots are a marquee franchise with the most famous quarterback in the world, and all that. Fan bases get pumped up for that game when the the Patriots coming into town on prime time. That place is going to be loud. The Chiefs are going to be way into it. I think it's a really good spot for him. You the, know how the, you shut him up? You have Chandler Jones match up against Eric Fisher and end that poor kid's career. I mean, Chandler Jones is just about the most impressive defensive player in the league right now, and Eric Fisher is about the worst left tackle in the league. That is the number one overall pick in an NFL draft, sir. But I'm just saying, that's how you you can shut it up. Their defense looks good this year. Then you give the the offense, uh, which is centered around Julian Edelman right now, a chance (laughs) to go out and score like 14 points. It comes down to Rob Kronkowski. He says he's going to play more this game. He, he, He might want to lose that limp. He's been walking with. I don't know if it's a limp, but yeah. he's certainly not as explosive as he's been in the past. He are you more explosive than Gronk, or is he more explosive than you? I think Gronk Stop. would need about six more surgeries to be less explosive than me. But <laughs> I think athletic. he's starting to head downward the slope. We all get older, and Gronk is too, and his top is as well. Oh, the Patriots you? aren't going to be great for him for much longer. Gronk, it's almost over. Best Patriots defense in a decade. 
I think that's going to happen. For an 8-8 eight and eight team. Hanging your hat on that. All right. So that's the last hero pick. Before we go into the rest of the games, TD, I want to check in with you real quick. This is, this is perhaps the most important task that a producer for the Around the NFL podcast has. You have not. This will be your maiden voyage. It's time to get into Win Greg's Toaster. It is? Yep. You're going to have to start. Oh. Just letting you know. You have time. This is an assignment like when the back in school where they said, you know, this assignment isn't due for several mm-hmm. weeks. It's time for our producer, TD, to start looking t- for some, as Greg puts it, tomato cans for yeah. him to just cushion uh, his title defense on. Uh, and and, T- and Goldstein did a great job finding some competitors, and now it is your I turn. Used to, I used to love that. I used to watch Greg. Uh, the gold standard to do that. And it was so funny. He would get on the phone and call people. I'm like, what are you doing? It's like, yeah, just listen to contestants. I'm like, what? Did you ever think your career would mimic that? <laughs> well, let's see. We'll see. Well, well anyone, any award we'll winner. Make it anyone we'll make out it there listening, the less you know, the better. Contact TD. You know, it's, Is it it's at a, producer TD? It's at fun to just TD, be on correct. the podcast. You don't need to worry about getting the answers right. We just want to set up all the co- tomato cans, no, just no, like no, Wesseling no, no, no. had. That oh, is, give me a break. Wesseling had one week where it was 6-0 and 5-1. to one. They could barely speak. And no, no, no. We, wait a second. He, Misinformation from the boss. And so anyway, yeah, don't contact TD, please, if you're a listener, and we love that you listen to the show. But don't contact TD just to get on the show. Contact to win, to beat Greg, because the big showdown, the Titanic showdown, the – you know, Tyson Holyfield one type showdown is Greg against Wes, the rematch for all the marbles after Wes was taken down in trivia by Greg. But Greg will get a, a couple challengers ahead of that while well, Wes knows? trains. I don't agree with the if faction. I get taken out, it's over. I don't agree well, with the faction happen. of people that quickly labeled Greg the Buster Douglas in this scenario. But if you're at home, you kind of know if I think you're. Greg a t- labeled himself. Yeah. Though. Oh yeah. Well, I, that was well. more about the women and the money and the video games and everything I've been doing. <laughs> All since. I do is win, 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 no matter what. I've the gained like games. 45 pounds. <laughs> Wasn't there? A Buster uh, yeah, Buster Douglas, Douglas beat Mike. Game? For people that aren't fans of boxing, <laughs> Buster Douglas beat Mike Tyson in the Tokyo Dome in 1990, biggest upset of all time. Then immediately gained 100 pounds, <laughs> lost his title, and went into like a diabetic coma. That's what Greg is angling for right now in his life. It's all been down. So be the team to beat. Be the guy that beats Mike uh, Buster Douglas. That's that's the challenge. And TD, that is the challenge we throw out to you. We'll make it happen. All right, cool. All right, the rest of the games. It's always a positive, by the way, Dan, when we can combine to put out a three-decade-old boxing mm. narrative into the podcast. That's good. <laughs> People like it. I miss heavyweight boxing. What a joke it is now. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers with Mike Lennon at quarterback. Uh, someone get excited about this game because I cannot. Are heading to Pittsburgh to play the Steelers. The Steelers look great. On Sunday, but at the same time, let's not get too excited because they didn't look very great at all the week before that against the Ravens. So maybe we are not quite sure where the Steelers are at as a team. We kind of know where the Bucks are at. They were down fifty-six nothing in uh, the fourth quarter of their last game, but now they have Glennon, who is uh, starting in place of the injured Josh McCown. Probably for good, you could potentially see it working out that way if Glennon has some success. Can either of you gentlemen make a case for the Bucks competing slash winning this game? I don't know when you uh I guess if you're a coaching staff and you want to try to find the the little tiny Achilles heel in the next opponent. Well, when you watch the team coming up lose 56 to 14 the way they did the way that Bucks did to Atlanta, there's a whole lot of ways to attack a defense that's injury riddled right now. 
and it starts with Le'Veon Bell. I think Pittsburgh doesn't need to do anything special. They need to keep doing what they were. That Baltimore game is they had a weird little funk because they blew the doors off Cleveland, and then that second half against Cleveland into the entire game with Baltimore was not who they Mm. seemed to be the rest of the year. They looked like they got back on track last week. I don't. I can't come up with a case for the Bucks. Can you, Greg? No. I mean, I can make. They stink. Yeah, they they look. They've been forkable. the worst. They've been the worst team in the league on balance. The the best case is maybe Mike Glennon gives that offense a little bit of juice, but they just lost their offensive coordinator probably for the year. I mean, the, the Steelers are missing a lot of players on defense too. I mean, they they just lost three players to injury: Ike Taylor, Jarvis Jones, Ryan Shazier. So that's a problem. But you look at the Steelers' schedule. They got the Bucks this week and the Jags next week. It'd be a stun stunner if they're not four and one sitting pretty. It should be. And we and we mentioned on Sunday that we were thinking about sticking the old fork in the Bucks and ruling that their postseason chances were shot. We really should fork the Bucks hard, but we're gonna wait till Wes gets back. We basically forgot to. Yeah, we forgot to fork them, but we're gonna fork them. Uh, Stick a fork in them. That yes, <laughs> we're gonna fork them. Uh, By probably, far the earliest forking we've ever accomplished here. Really, I, I already there are pangs of regret that we didn't do it on Wednesday's show, but that's how life works. I think sometimes. actually, I think we killed the Jaguars last year about three week three or four. Yeah. We didn't wait Did around. We? we didn't wait around. Moving forward, the Tennessee Titans. Who, Greg? I don't know if Jake Locker's in the mix, is he? He missed practice Wednesday oh my and Thursday. Goodness. And that means clipboard Jesus. Clipboard Jesus, aka the wandering log cabin resident. <laughs> Yes. Charlie Whitehurst could Ch- be starting. Chaz Whitehurst, likely or probably or possibly starting for the Titans, heading Ugh. to Indianapolis to face the Colts. So we have a Chaz Whitehurst against Andrew Luck matchup. That probably favors the Tennessee Titans, I would think, correct? Uh, the name of the team is the it's the Titans from Tennessee, Dan. Ah, okay. So the Titans of Tennessee favorites, correct? I watched Tennessee play the Bengals last Sunday. That was a game that was assigned to me at our workplace. After watching two hours of Titans tape the day before, you told me. Which yeah, is last crazy. week did not, in general, uh, really. <laughs> Meanwhile, your sounds kid, like a hot Saturday. Yeah, it your was kid, not. You yeah, know. the one day at home, your kids are banging on the door. Let Papa, us in, Papa, Papa. Just during their nap you, time, Papa. but I should have taken a nap myself. <laughs> they are a team that is a sleep-inducing <laughs> operation on offense. For my my problem with Tennessee is. When Bishop Sankey, who has not been overly impressive, is the standout and the only standout player on a team that got its butt kicked last weekend. Mm. There's nothing going on in this passing game. Yeah, maybe Locker isn't healthy, but it might have been time to take a look at the other quarterbacks anyways. No, that's the thing. This is Charlie Whitehurst. He, I I think they should have sat Whitehurst and gone straight to Mettenberger. He's a sixth-round rookie. That's just giving up on the season. That's what I hate about this game and this team, the Titans, because it already feels like their season is almost over. Well, Ugh, I hate I, that. I, I, I don't want to think uh, that. Looking at Jake Locker, it's here's the thing. It's a guy that's we've seen his ceiling. So, Have so we? I no, absolutely I think, think so. He's never on the field We've enough. seen him injured a lot. I don't know if we've seen his I, ceiling. I, watching what he's done this season, it's like there are things about his game that if there, isn't, if, if there hasn't shown any improvement in his accuracy, yeah. some of the throws he's making, it's not his overall game. It's just really after this many seasons. I understand he hasn't had consecutive starts, but Ken Wisenhunt inherited a quarterback with a lot of issues. They're going to get a new one. Yeah, and it's not going to be Charlie Whitehurst. Four starts, no. four starts in his career, all in Seattle. 
he has a deep in the Gabbert zone career yards per attempt of 5.3. So that's just ugly. Do you know how, how has he made it nine years? I, I, was just, I was just about to say that. Do you know how big Charlie Whitehurst's house is? Probably on the beach. Probably one of those things where you open up the sliding doors and the ocean is right in front of him and his surfboard is on the deck. Well, he That's got, Chaz Whitehurst's life. And what has he done to deserve it? By and the we way, don't have any Emmys. Well, lived in a log cabin during training camp. I can get behind that. How does he has a second house? Oh, I'm sure that's in well, the woods. That's because a quarterbacks that stay off the radar, but have something physical in terms of their size that co- coaches like, can exist for ten years. If we had to see Whitehurst start two consecutive seasons, he'd be working elsewhere right He's now. He's probably a likable guy that works hard. Like I think that, I don't about the working hard part. He doesn't. I bet, give I that bet he has an off, Emmy. But, I bet he has six Emmys. Oh, he has multiple Emmys. He's been involved with a lot of projects, you know, on a low level basis. And there comes the hardware, just flows in. All right. Golden statues. Let's move on. The Jacksonville Jaguars will introduce Blake Bortles as a starting quarterback to the world, an NFL quarterback, uh, against the San Diego Chargers. This is a tough task for the Jags, who have looked obviously terrible through three weeks. Now they they move forward with Bortles. We've talked about at length how that might not matter, given the cast around him, especially his offensive line. Uh, are the Chargers just going to wipe the floor here? You would think so. They've gotten a lot of injuries piled up on that team that people haven't really talked too much about Woodhead and Matthews, but also Melvin Ingram. Manti Teo is now out for a long time. It's a banged up chargers team, but they showed us last week going to Buffalo winning convincingly that they should take care of what's been the worst team in the league by far. I mean, the Raiders look great compared to the Jaguars. One thing I like about uh, Bortles in this this happened right away when he came in last week, and it was, will he be able to produce? When he came in in the preseason, immediately the offense had more energy, started to gain chunk yardage, started to score points. Chad Henney last week did what he normally does, which is do essentially nothing. Bortles came in, he wasn't perfect, but he quickly generated 223 passing yards and two touchdowns. I don't know if this is going to be as easy and out as it's been in the past That's for true. teams playing Jacksonville. This is the guy they should have started from the beginning, and he's behind a terrible offensive line. That's the cautionary flag. Well, the defense has been the worst in the league. I mean, they have been outscored by an average of 25 points. Their defense doesn't get any stops. The secondary is nowhere near the receiver. So you're playing a precise group like the Chargers. They're going to score 30, 35 points. But you're right. Bortles makes them watchable. I mean, he was a lot of fun last week. That's all you can hope for. I mean, because if San Diego can do what they did against Seattle and then go into Buffalo, underrated, tough place to win a game, and go 2-0 and in there, in that affair, th- this is the game they should win by 25, 30 points. One of us is an affair? It is an affair. Wow. An event. A I happening. Like a soiree that I think I'm going to make a pitch, Greg, that this is a good game for Dan to be covering <laughs> on well, you, Sunday. You, you just called it a, uh, an affair. I think you it's got your name all over it. I believe it's a late game. I will be long gone. It's Bortles. I mean, it, it is more fun. He he made a lot of wow plays last week, evading pressure. He also made some boneheaded plays and some crazy. It's going to happen, though, right? Yeah, crazy throws, but he was fun to watch. Finally, we head to Minnesota where we have another new quarterback, another rookie quarterback, Teddy Bridgewater, making his first NFL start in uh, – in place of Matt Castle, who broke bones in his foot, he's done. He gone for the year. So it's the Teddy Bridgewater era opening up against the Falcons. Uh, they were my dark horse candidate entering the season. I'm feeling great about that after Thursday, that 56-14 to 14 romp. I think, again, this will be a closer game, I think, but I believe that 
The Falcons were, will again score points. I think Adrian Peterson isn't on the Vikings in case people haven't noticed, and that's going to continue to haunt them. So you're saying Peterson won't be suiting up? I heard via sources that Adrian Peterson All is right. not in the NFL right now. All right. Hot take from Dan with some NFL news information provided right there. Thank Adrian you. Peterson won't be Home in the run. game. He's, uh, he's our podcast, Adam Schefter, right here. <laughs> uh, I, I really thought about man. taking the Vikings in this game. I still think they're going to be feisty this year. I think Mike Zimmer has improved that defense tremendously, and I think Teddy Bridgewater is going to be kind of fun. And they all the reasons that, Mark, you picked them as a, a team of ATL uh, candidate and why I thought they'd be a dark horse team, I think those – ingredients are still there. Even though the, the Peterson news now has died down a little bit, they're home for this game, I, I, I think they could be tough. It's amazing how quickly Minnesota became a completely different team right? because you had your Adrian Peterson and Matt Castle combination, which is very familiar to the troubles from last season, and then suddenly it's Teddy Bridgewater and a cast of different yeah. young players. I like it, though. I think it's the same with Jacksonville. Interesting. Selling the Vikings are interesting to watch because they've got – their first-round quarterback on the field. But Atlanta, 455 yards per game over three weeks. I don't think we can look at this team and say, oh, they're about to stumble. But their one road game, they didn't do anything on on offense, and they were playing a defense. A Mike Zimmer-crafted defense. Very similar to this defense. And people forget the Vikings were among the – Worst two or three defenses in the league last year. They are ninth in scoring so far, 11th in yards allowed. They've improved dramatically on defense. So I, I don't think this is going to be a walkover. Name to watch if the Vikings win this in the final seconds, Harrison Smith, safety. Mm. Why is that? Is that a Sessler? What's he going to do? Just have a feeling he may have the turnover that changes the complexion of this game. Well, we all uh, we all took the Falcons, so it's not yeah, gonna yeah. I like to have my That's I so like to have that. both sides covered. I like that. That's a good way to play life. Both sides of the fence. <laughs> uh, that is it for Thursday's edition of the Around the NFL podcast. We will be back on Sunday, where Greg we will devote the entire hour a retrospective of Derek Jeter's career with the Yankees, as was your request. I'm just happy that uh, you're going to have to work during Jeter's <laughs> last game. And you don't have to, you know, be at home. That's what you think. Crying your eyes out or whatever would be going on. <laughs> we are friends in real life. Um, okay, so that's it. We'll see you Sunday. This is Dan Hansis signing off for The Sizzler, The Boss, Tay Day Behind the Glass. Until Sunday night. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.